cliffcentral.com Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Konza Show. It's me, Rory, flying solo today. My partner in crime, Andrew Levy, is not here, dealing with some family things. Uh, good luck to you, Andrew, if you're listening. Today we're discussing the issue of homosexuality and sin. Is it wrong to call homosexuality a sin? So you know that... Um, in the past few weeks, uh, the new leader of the DA, Musi Maimane, um, was, was in a bit of an upheaval, in the middle of an upheaval because uh, of a preaching he did earlier. So Musi Maimane is a pastor, uh, and he at some stage was, was on the pulpit, and he mentioned or suggested that uh, gays and uh, Muslims are sinners. Um, he subsequently withdrew those statements and has come out and said, hey, look, uh, I no longer believe that uh, gays are sinners. So we thought we'd just eg- examine this issue a little bit more. So is, homo- is it wrong or is it right to call homosexuality a sin? Uh, on the line today, we've got uh, Reverend Kenneth Meshwe. He's going to be weighing in on this issue. Um, we know he is about to get into a committee meeting, so let's jump, let's jump straight into it. Um, so the whole thing here is that, or the, the, the main reason we want to explore this issue is, is it, is it, is it against, does it, does it infringe on Musi Maimane's freedom of speech for him not to be allowed to say, uh, Gays are sinners, right? Is is he not? Are we going to are we going to get in the way of him saying that gays are sinners simply because he does not believe in it? But if that's the case, then is it okay, for example, for a racist to go up on stage somewhere and say um, black people are inferior? Uh, so, Reverend, good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, Reverend, just quickly before you get into your committee meetings, uh, let me start off by asking: Do you have gay friends? I normally. Do not ask people whether they are gay or they are not gay. But uh, there are those that I know of that I they might not necessarily be uh, close to their close friends, but they are acquaintances. Let me say I have acquaintances and I have nobody that I hate. So, 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 Reverend, then is is homosexuality a sin? Well, according to scriptures, it definitely it is a sin. Then, then, what do you make then of uh, Musi Maimane withdrawing the statement and actually coming out later on and saying that uh, he does not believe that uh, uh, being gay is sin? So, was he wrong to do that? Well, if if he says he does not believe what the scriptures are saying, then he definitely is wrong. He could have been pressurized to change his opinion, but I think he needs to be asked a direct question: Is the Bible wrong when it says homosexuality is wrong? Or does he disagree with the word of God? Interesting, you say that, uh, Reverend. On your website, uh, we we did some research and we were trying to find out uh, what's your position on on homosexuality, or at least of the ACDP. We haven't, we we, we couldn't find anything on this. Uh, what is the position of the ACDP with regards to to homosexuality? The fact that you did not uh, find anything should say to you that it is not something that we talk unnecessarily about. The fact that we do not agree with it because we agree with scriptures. We believe scriptures clearly state that homosexuality is an abomination before God. But we do not go around telling everybody or looking for those 
who are committed to this kind of lifestyle and trying to condemn them. You know, some people have unfortunately made wrong conclusions when we voice our opinions and they say you are condemning people and definitely we are not doing that. Now, I'm glad that you say we we didn't find anything about that on our website. So then are you, can you then point the finger at Musi Maimane for backtracking on this if you yourselves are not explicit about it? I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. You asked me a question, mm-hmm. and I'm saying he changed his position maybe because he was under pressure, and he should be asked the question whether he believes the word of God is right or not on this subject. Now, when I'm asked that, asked that question, I'll respond according to what I believe the scriptures are saying. So he should be asked the same thing, but this does not mean we are pointing fingers at him. Reverend, uh, South Africa is 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 estimated to have a, a Christian population of about eighty percent of the population being Christian, um, and you are one of, if not the only party in Parliament that claims to be representing Christian values. If if those values were truly representative of the beliefs of the broader public, would you not be the party in government today? It is not everybody who takes Christian values seriously. You just made a a reference to a gentleman who changed his position when he got into politics. Maybe he is going to gain material from changing his position. I do not know. But mm-hmm. there are people, obviously, for them to get um, benefits out of the material world we are living in, they have to put different values before their biblical values. It's not everybody who who can publicly defend what the scriptures are saying, or who can publicly say, I believe this issue because this is what the Bible is saying. And again, there are people who believe that when you come to politics, your Christian values or beliefs should not uh, matter. So, and I think that is the position that most people have taken in our country, that for them, uh, their Christian beliefs don't matter. Politics is something that is different. They have to put before their Christian values those that were involved in the struggle. Before we let you go, Reverend, um, he he stood alone at that time when he was when when he was facing the backlash. Uh, we didn't hear the ACDP, for example, coming out in defense of him and saying no, uh, it's his right to call uh, homosexuality a sin. Why were you? Why, if 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 you feel so strongly about it and you feel that he was backtracking because of material gain, didn't you come out in defense of him? To tell you the truth, when that debate was going on, I was not on air. I was not aware of that debate. I was busy with other meetings. Had I been invited or had I known, I definitely would have let my voice be heard. Well, thank you very much, Reverend. Uh, As you run into your committee meetings for the day, good luck representing the country. Maybe I need to mention that it has been moved forward, so I'm available until half past nine. (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Um so I mean the, the the bigger issue for us here is 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 whether Christians are have the right to go to go and label people as sinners or not sinners. Um so what's your sense on that? Do do you have a right to just label people sinners? I don't have the right to label anybody a sinner, but I have a right to declare what the word of God is saying. So if the word of God says they are a sinner, I agree with the word of God. So you would so 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 you would say that gays are sinners according to God's word yes. And uh, so what if it's a sin uh, reverend when a, when a pastor tells his church as 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 Musi Maimani was telling his church uh, that gays are sinners what does he expect them to do about it? Should they be stoned as the Bible suggests? There is nowhere in Christianity uh, Christianity remember that it was it came with Christ. Christ never taught.
stoning anybody, but Christ taught repenting from sin. There's a difference between stoning and repentance. Jesus Christ taught repentance. So, so you're saying that any part of the Bible before Christ was born is, is irrelevant for our purposes? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, when it comes to the issue of how to deal with sin, Christ came specifically to show us how to deal with sin. Other parts that are not talking about how to deal with sin, obviously one takes them as they are. But when it comes to how to deal with sin, we need to look at what Jesus said we must deal with sin. And how would you how would you deal with it? So it's very easy to speak now, uh, not being the party in government. If you were the party in government, how would you deal with what you call the sin of, of homosexuality? You know, I, I understand, and people out there should understand, that homosexuality is not the only thing. There would be no justification just to focus on one sin and leave other sins. For example, there is adultery, there is fornication. So to, to leave out other sins, and you want to focus on almost on homosexuality would be wrong, and I would never I would never condone that. But uh, Reverend, as you know, uh, homosexual people, for example, are, are facing or are having to fight very vigorously for their rights, for example, to get married and for their rights uh, to adopt children. So, so would you then say that uh, they, they they they're fine? They need to. That that's allowed. ACDP would support would support them, you know, getting married and adopting children and so on. I would not support uh, marriage between two men because it goes against God's law. From the beginning, when we talk about when we see what God putting up instituting marriage, we see God bringing a male and a female. So when people believe that two males can marry. The scriptures don't agree with that, and because don't ag- the scriptures don't agree with that, I will also not agree with that. Do the scriptures agree to adoption, uh, uh, Reverend? Well, it, it, it does. It does agree to adoption. But when it comes to homosexuals adopt, adopting, an interesting thing to, for, for, to note is that there are many homosexuals who do not agree with adopting children. Because when a child is, uh, is grows, and grows up and they find that there are two daddies and children talk about mommy and daddy what do you say i mean this i believe is confusing to children so let's 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 uh, look at a scenario here reverend when 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 a, when a, a heterosexual couple cannot have kids um, and they go and adopt would it would is it is it right is it the will of god that they then have kids if 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 they're not able to have kids naturally uh why should they then be allowed to adopt if if we apply the same logic to the fact that uh, a man and a man can't have children the ideal family is between a man and a woman that is why when i asked your former question when I answered the former question, I started by saying it is okay to adopt. But I believe when a male and a female adopt a child and the child grows in an environment when there is father and mother, that is the ideal situation. But when two men adopt and the child grows and there is no father, it's only two babies. Who do you call a mother there? I don't think, even though people are doing it, but I don't think that is the ideal situation. Reverend, uh, we, we, we have a situation now where uh, you know, we, there's an article that was written by a, a gentleman called Errol Naidu, for example, recently uh, titled The Demonization of Christianity. Um, and in it, he quotes you and, and he mentions you standing up, for example, for the Chief Justice, uh, Mohueng Mohueng. 
Um, do you believe that uh, Christians and their and their freedom of expression is being co- are being constrained um, by by the Constitution and and the, the world that we live in today? Are they are they not able to express themselves? Well, it, it depends. It depends. Christians in some quarters are not allowed to express themselves. They are called names. For example, when a Christian, the position I'm taking, for example, some people will say I'm homophobic. Now, why do you call a person names when they disagree with you? Because if you disagree with me, I will not call you names besides the fact that you are defined by who you are. So when you look at how Chief Justin Mkwemukwem was, was treated, he was definitely treated unfairly. Um, some of the questions, his faith, for example, was attacked. When people don't have faith, they are not having faith, it's not attacked. But the one that has faith, their faith is attacked, which I don't think is fair. Right, Reverend. Uh, before we let you go, you know, do, do I mean, if 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 Musi Maimani, for example, can abandon uh, his beliefs so quickly when he is challenged, uh, do you do religious values still have a place in society um, in general? Well, they do. Musi Maimani, the, the, the religious values or Christian values should not be judged uh, because of what he has done. I have been in Parliament for 20 years. I have not moved my position. My values are still the same as when I came here because I can withstand pressure. I don't need to be applauded by everybody. I don't need to be politically correct. What I want to do in life is to do the right thing before God so that I can be a blessing to people around me. So if some people are shaking, some people are flip-flopping just because there is political pressure, well, it's a weakness on their part. But I believe religious values are still important. And one of the most important values that are needed in South Africa is respect. People don't respect one another. People don't respect property. People don't respect God. They don't respect their neighbors. Some even don't respect themselves. And I think this value is one of the key values that can help South Africa become a better nation that will ensure that even our children are saved, girls are saved when they are left with their fathers and grandfathers and uncles. But that is not the same. That's not happening today. Many parents are worried because people have lost respect for themselves, lost respect for one another. Even when people call a strike, you know that wherever they are going to march, people are going to have to shut down their shops because either their, their, their stock is going to be looted if they are street vendors or things are going to be broken into. All this is an indication we have lost respect and the scriptures are teaching this value of respect. That's what I'm saying. You cannot say religious values are losing their importance in society just because of one man who changed his opinion. Right, Reverend. Before we let you go, can you give me an unequivocal answer on this? Uh, it, w- did Musi Maimani sell out on Christianity? He crammed into pressure. Did he sell out? He, suc- he succumbed to pressure. So did he sell out? Yeah, I would agree with you, Peter. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, Reverend. We, we, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for taking your time to give us your perspective. Uh, and good luck out there in the committees. My pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. Well, that's, uh, that's Reverend Musim, that's, that's Reverend Kenneth Meshwe, the leader of the African Christian Democratic Party there. Uh, very strong opinions. He says that Musi Maimani sold out. Oh, it's very, it would be interesting to hear what he has to say. Well, we've got another interesting person on the line. Um,
We have another interesting person on the line, but before we go to him, we're just going to get into uh, a bit of music just to prepare him. Uh, this is Pierre DeForce coming up. Now, Pierre is a constitutional law expert, and apart from that, uh, he is an openly gay man, and, and he, he is also quite open about his HIV status. So it will be quite interesting to hear from him. How does religion and the Constitution come together, and is there still place for religious values? values in society. Okay, it's Tinashe, all hands on deck. Let's let's keep it moving. Um, next on the line, we've got uh, Pierre DeForce. As I said, Pierre is the constitutional law expert. Uh, he's going to be weighing in on this. It's very interesting um, what the Reverend has said. Uh, we we have a tweet, a, a Twitter message from Bradley Shaw, who was who wanted to ask him: Is the Reverend saying that Uganda is right on its stance, uh, purportedly based on faith? So there's some interesting opinions coming through. If you also want to weigh in, you're welcome to weigh in on our WeChat platform. Platform and also on Twitter at Rory Shabalala, R-O-R-I-T-S-H-A-B-A-L-A-L-A. Right, let's get to it then. Um, Pierre DeFoss, are you on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. Hey, Pierre, how are you doing and where are you in the world? I'm sitting here in Venice uh, looking out at the canal. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jeez, it's a tough life you've got, hey? It's terrible, but somebody has to do it. <laughs> well, Pierre, uh, we, we had the Reverend Kenneth Meshwe, the leader of the African Christian Democratic Party here earlier on, and we were just asking him, uh, is it, is there a place for religious values, um, within the society that we live in today, or, or have religious values reached their sell-by date? What, what, what would your sense be on that? Well, I think one must make a distinction between one's personal life and public life. In your personal life, you are completely entitled, and in fact, you have a right in terms of the Constitution to, uh, to embody and live out the religious values that you might or might not believe in. But in public life, the values that are supposed to, to drive that is the, the values in the Constitution. So the Constitution people talk about uh, a kind of constitutional morality, the value of respect for people's inherent dignity, for their life, and so on. And so there's not really a place in in the public life, I think, for the religious uh, values because the constitution supersedes that. So if 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 there's no place for for religious values, which values then uh, should inform at least societal norms and standards? Pierre? Yes, that's why I say that we now have is... I'm struggling to... to, Pierre, we're just struggling to get you. Uh, Pierre is on Skype. Uh, We seem to... There might be a problem with the internet connection. We're just going to try him again. Um, So... 
the key thing here is, you know, if if not religious values, then then what values should should these beliefs and the constitution be based on? We we have a constitution that's that's lauded the world over as one of the best constitutions um, in the world. Now the question is. What should inform it? Because if you remove the religious values underpinning it, for example, you're going to replace it with other, with other beliefs, with other, with, with another set of beliefs and values. Uh, it's certainly, it's, it's certainly not, it does not exist in a vacuum and whoever gets to, and whoever gets to, um, to 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 put it together is going to inject it with their own set of values. Uh, we seem to while we while we've lost peer, we seem to have a caller on the line. Um, do we have do we have Pagama on the line? Pagama. Pagama, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Yes, Pagama, thanks for calling in. What what would you like to say to us? Um, well, first off, to answer the question of whether it was wrong for Musi to call um, gay sinners or not, I would say that um, perhaps in his current position, it is wrong because um, it can be interpreted differently by different people and it may incite hate, discrimination, intolerance. So I would say perhaps in his position, to say something like that is perhaps wrong. But to believe something like that, even in his current position, I believe is not necessarily wrong. As long as in his execution of the job, he protects all people in South Africa, um, especially the minorities. Because I think that um, we, we, we all have different beliefs, we know this, and in order to live together, we need to practice tolerance, we need to accept that we do have differences and um, and then, yeah, and that's, and that's what I, I would say um, in terms of his position. And I think where he might have a conflict in his personal life, is he would have to ask himself, who is his master? Who is he serving? Because if he's serving the South African public, or if he says he's serving God, then in cases like this, he may experience some conflict there. So, so, so. My first two things on the issue. So, in your view, in your view, then, do you think that he sold out on his beliefs by quickly backtracking in the face of challenge? I think that he can. He, 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 by, I think if you are confronted as a Christian about what you believe, I believe you should categorically state that this is what I believe, and um, but um, and then and give the context for it. This is in your Christian faith. You believe in God. This um, we believe that um, homosexuality was not God's original creative intention for humanity. And you, you give it, but I, I just think that if you are um, aspiring to be in such a position, you must be able to separate your job in serving the whole country in terms of all beliefs, all people, and, and being able to tell them, but this is what I believe. Well, thank you so much. You seem to be agreeing with Pierre DeForce. Um, so let's, let's try and get Pierre back on the line. Thank you so much, Pagama, for calling in. Uh, if you'd also like to weigh in, you're welcome to call in on Cliff Central. Uh, our number is 086, uh, 15, let me just, uh, 086, 185, Let's try and get Pierre on the line again. Pierre? Hi. Hi. Are you there? 
Yes, I'm here. Sorry, Pia. So before we lost you, you were speaking about uh, uh, one's public life and, and, and private life. And you're saying that uh, certain views should be, should be confined to the private life. Now, what would you call being a, a minister in a church? Is that public or private? Well, that is your, that is a, uh, the, uh, when I talk about the public space, I talk about the political space, of course. Um, if you want to be a minister in a church, uh, you have every right to do that. You have a right to attend the church. You have a right to, to tell other people about the good news that you are attending the church. But if you're in public life, if you're a politician, if you're a premier or, or a minister, uh, MEC, then those, uh, those uh, actions that you do on the weekend, so to speak, or outside of your work hours, they cannot inform how you should be guided in in uh, exercising your duties, your public duties. So in that sense, uh, you you have a, the being a minister in the churches is, is not something that is uh, public in in the in the constitutional sense. So so in this in this sense, then was Musi Maimani victimized, or or do you think that he was so so he wasn't necessarily out of line if if I'm to take what you say, uh, but then was he victimized for for expressing that view to the extent that he had to then uh, change uh, his expressed view? Well, you know the problem is that of course I made this line uh, this distinction, but the distinction is not so easy to keep. So because often. Your, uh, your personal views will, uh, and people will believe and people will suspect your personal views will influence what your public decisions will be. When the pre, the, the current chief justice was nominated to be chief justice and it turned out that he was, uh, quite religious, uh, people criticized him for it. I think uh, rightly so at the time. He turned out to be actually much better than people suspected because he had said certain things of a religious nature that could not be squared with the public morality contained in the Constitution. So if there's a tension, you have to be very careful and you have to be very explicit uh, about your commitment to the Constitution and its values so that nobody could ever believe that you're going to use those private values to make public decisions. And I think the, Mamiane was criticized and forced, therefore, or he was, he was then forced to actually, um, uh, to, to make the statement and to say, well, don't worry, I am not going to use this kind of beliefs that I have about my religion to influence my daily uh, work as a politician. Then what, what influences, you know, we, we, all, we all bring um, our different views and, uh, and beliefs into everything that we do in, in the work that we do and so on. Um, are you there? Yes. Yeah. We, we bring our views and, and our beliefs into everything that we do, um, on a daily basis. So if you remove your religious beliefs from it, then what, what beliefs should replace it? Well, as I said, you, you know, you, um, some of the religious uh, views are obviously going to dovetail with the values that is contained in the document that as a public servant, as a, as a politician, uh, needs to guide you, namely the constitution. Where they don't, then you have to ignore those, uh, religious views. Where they do, uh, then you can use them. Um, if there's a, a, a distinction between the two, you have to follow what the constitution says and what the values are 
that are embodied in the Constitution. Um, otherwise, you are not sticking to um, the, the kind of public morality established in 1994. Now, in, in, um, you, you wrote an article where you expressed disdain at the notion of gay people coming out of the closet, as it were, uh, because it, it seemed to reinforce the idea that it was abnormal to be gay. Um, mm. Eusebius Mackayza on this very issue of Musi Maimani also wrote an article where he also expressed surprise at gay people who still insisted on being part of religious, institu- religious institutions that labeled their sexual preference as sin. Uh, so it might be counter- counterintuitive, but is this behavior of coming out of the closet or remaining attached to, cre- to Christianity in spite of it uh, being opposed to your choice, is that part of gays uh, tacitly agreeing that you know, this is what we're doing is, is sin. Do they, do, do they subconsciously believe it? Well, I, you know, I can't speak for other <laughs> people. Mm. I can only speak for myself. Yeah. I don't really believe in the concept of sin. I think it's a really unhelpful concept to bandy about because it plays on guilt. Um, it plays uh, on policing. You rather have to be, uh, be guided by positive values about respect for others, dignity, and so on. Why people still want to be religious even and be, belong to a church, even when that church says they are sinful, I don't understand it. Um, and I, I, I really don't understand it. There must be something there in the religion that they get from the religion. But as I say, uh, personally, for me personally, I'm only speaking for myself, I find it very bizarre. Um, I uh, I think uh, I wouldn't want to belong to any institution that says that I'm sinful, uh, that I'm bad or wicked or sick or whatever the case might be, um, because why would I want to do that? Maybe, and I'm speculating here, maybe some of us still have a bit of internalized um, homophobia in that although you are gay or lesbian yourself, you might have internalized the prejudices of the society. And so you actually still suspect that maybe there might be something wrong with you because, you know, the, the messages, is they are overpoweringly out there that it is sinful and wrong to be gay. And it, it's difficult not to internalize this in the same way that it's, not, it's difficult not to internalize the racist nonsense that is all around us in society. Mm, so... Uh, Pierre, I mean, uh, given that, um, you know, the, in, in, in light of this whole issue, what came up was, uh, the question of the, the separation of church and state. And it seems that we, we, we seem to, you know, anytime a person does anything religious, we, we mention this separation of church and state. Can you explain it as a constitutional law expert? What is the separation of church and state? And is it the same thing as the separation of religious belief and, and state? Oh. Well, the, 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 this is actually a concept that comes from the U.S. system. We don't really have it in exactly the same way, but the basic premise is that um, uh, the church, but of course it's also the mosque or the whatever other religious institution, should not be, uh, the state should not support the uh, specific religious belief because that will make other people feel uh, who might might not be religious or might be from a different religion, might be Jewish or might be Muslim or whatever, they might feel that the deck, so to speak, is stacked, stacked against them, that the state 
uh, frowns upon who they are. And so there must be some kind of distinction between the two. In our system, uh, we say, well, we, we can't insist on absolute distinction. So, but what we do insist on is that it can never be forced on anyone. It has to be voluntary and you have to treat the different religions and non-religion, atheism, you have to treat them in a fair manner. So if you go, if you're in a school and uh, they want to uh, teach you about the Christian Bible, they also have to teach you uh, about the Koran, they have to teach you about atheism. Uh, to make it fair to everyone because you cannot uh, put the power of the state behind one religion because that will then exclude all the people who don't believe in that specific religion and that would not respect their dignity and their freedom. Right. Let, let, let's bring in the views of our WeChat listeners. Um, we've got Frank Ortman, and he says, I think the problem with religions defining the morals of a country is that they are abs- absolute. What is written in the holy book is law. There is no debate. Using circular ethics as a base means that everything can be debated and the stronger argument wins. Now, if the stronger argument were to win in a country where 80% or close to 80% is Christian, would, would that not uh, imply that the strong the stronger argument would be for Christians? Well, you see, the, uh, how it works in a constitutional democracy is that, yes, wonderfully, we have democracy in which we vote and the majority wins, but certain values and certain principles are not a, a subject to um, the majority view. The Constitutional Court of South Africa said what our constitution is really about is respect for difference and diversity because we are very diverse in terms of our language, race, religion, sexual orientation. And so if you're only going to uh, enforce the majority view, the minority, which might be 49% or 1%, will not uh, have the same rights. They will not be able to live the same kind of life than everybody else. And for that reason, we have to have respect difference and say, we respect you if you're an atheist, we respect you if you're a Christian. In both cases, that is not what is supposed to inform uh, the public uh, sphere. What is supposed to inform the public sphere and decisions made by politicians is the values in the Constitution. Uh, bringing in another WeChat uh, listener, Liandi, she says, The people seem to forget that the first rule of the Christian Bible is that we have no right to judge and we should love. People should learn to let people be and uh, to let people be and their personal life is that, personal. Our ministers and leaders serve in a public space and that is governed by a constitution. Let's, let's speak about the constitution a bit, um, uh, Pierre. So, for example, you, we have, we, 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 we recently had the ruling, um, on, on, assisted suicide and that's going to be taken yes. up by the by by the constitutional court when 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 the when the bench considers and thinks about this uh what informs when when there is no when there is no law that necessarily deals with this particular issue what do they use as a basis for determining whether this is constitutional or not can you take us into the thinking yeah. the thinking of the bench at that time 
okay, what they do is, of course, they go to the text of the Constitution and they see, see, is there a right or maybe more than one, uh, one of the rights that might be implicated here? In this case, the right to make decisions about your body and the right to human dignity and to have your dignity respected and protected. And then they decide, uh, what does, what do those rights mean and do they cover this uh, aspect and you know when they do so obviously they're going to be informed by the broader values that are embodied in the constitution and then they decide okay well uh, and and we're going to make a decision one way or the other as with or as i explained earlier how they do it is once again to say we are never going to force somebody to um engage in assisted suicide. It is always going to be a choice because we respect different opinions. If you're very religious and you're against it, nobody's going to force you to do it. But why should then the the other person be forced not to uh, get assistance to die with dignity because there's a majority or a substantial uh, group of people because of religious beliefs or whatever who thinks that this is wrong? And so the Constitution says we respect difference, we respect choice, and we all can make that choice for ourselves. So if, if that's the case um, on, on choice, then do you feel that a lot of the laws then that don't allow for you to have that choice? So, for example, the adoption of, of children uh, by, by, by homosexual couples, do you feel that, that they're constitutional and uh, they're unconstitutional and should then be sent up for review? Well, actually, the um, uh, same-sex couples can adopt children. Mm. Um, my sister, when she was actually a judge in the high court and her girlfriend uh, challenged the law that says you couldn't, uh, if you're a same-sex couple, adopt jointly. And the court said, the constitutional court said, that is discrimination. So they declared that law unconstitutional. Um, so, of course, they, one will have to look in each particular case, what is the specific law that is there or specific legal rule that is there? Does it conflict with the right to equality, the right to dignity, or whatever? And if it does, then you can take it to court and have it declared unconstitutional. But there's already been quite a lot of these cases. And, and as many people and listeners would know uh, on the subject of gay rights, uh, even the right to get married, uh, which was limited to, say, different sex couples have been declared unconstitutional by our court because it infringed on the right to equality. Now, now, now Pierre, going back into that meeting where the judges, the constitutional court judges are, are deliberating on these issues, um, do they do they bring their, their, their personal views? Do, do the personal views matter at all? And if they don't, then why was it such a big deal what Mokhweng Mokhweng, Chief Justice Mokhweng Mokhweng yes. uh, believed or didn't believe? Yeah, you see, this is one of those very tricky um, uh, debates that the academic lawyers often have. Uh, if you're a more traditional lawyer, <clears throat> then you're going to say, well, you just look at the text of the Constitution or of the law, uh, you apply it, you don't bring your, your values, your beliefs into it at all. Personally, I don't think it actually works like that. I think you try and uh, start with the text, but... 
your 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 basic assumptions about what kind of society we need to live in will inform how you're going to interpret that text because a text can have different meanings, especially constitution. It's quite open-ended, you know. Everybody has a right to have their dignity respected and protected. What what could that mean? Mm, it could mean different mean. things. Mm. So the personal views do come in. But I would say that they, they are good personal views, personal views that are not always going to be the same for every judge, but are going to more or less be structured along the and guided by the values in the constitution. And that is perfectly fine. But if it's your personal views completely um, at odds with the values in the constitution and you bring that in and you interpret it and you enforce it on others, then uh, that you're probably not going to be a particularly good judge in the South African context. Although it might happen, but you won't be a good judge if you, if it does happen. Mm. So so why why do you think, uh, going back to Musi Maimane, um, why do you believe that he he was he had to or he felt the need to to withdraw that statement? Then I mean you've 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 indicated that it was public, it was it was done in the private sphere, um, so he 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 didn't necessarily have anything to worry about in that sense. Uh, he was within he was within you know it wasn't necessarily hate speech if I understand you correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, why why did he have to back down? Uh, why is the whole issue of 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 homosexuality still such a political hot potato? Well, the problem is, of course, that we live in a country that is uh, rife with prejudice. Prejudice against gays and lesbians, prejudice against black people, against women, and so on. And so, if it, uh, if you're a public figure, if you're a politician, and you belong, and you're the leader of a party who's supposed to be the liberal Progress, relatively progressive political party, which the DA says it is, and then it transpires that your personal religious beliefs do not seem to conform to the, the principles of the political party, uh, respect for individual rights and so on, then you have a problem. You have a PR problem, and you have a bigger problem in that, that people will wonder whether you are not going to use these personal views to mm-hmm. actually uh, uh, change the, what the political party stands for. And so for that reason, for political reasons, when it came out that he said these things, he had to backtrack because otherwise the credi- his credibility and the credibility of the party he belongs to would have been uh, uh, become an issue. Now, uh, Pierre, in in the constitutional court, I don't know if you've ever been there, or at least uh, yes. if, if you know yeah. the if you know the the inner workings of the constitutional court. Um, when 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 the judges are are busy throwing around arguments um, yeah. on 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 interpretation and so on, how do they get to choose which which wins? If if there's a if there's a let's say the 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 equal numbers, how do they yes. who then decides on the final vote and and what would it then be based on? If if all yes. if all the objective things have been put on the table and yeah. we're at a stalemate, how do they then decide? Well, how it works is the first, before the case comes before them, the judges don't talk to each other about the case. They each read all the papers that the lawyers give them. Then there's the, the oral argument where the lawyers for the both sides go to the court building and they actually have an argument there with the judges. The judges ask them many different, 
difficult questions. It's quite nerve-wracking to be actually arguing in front of the 11 <laughs> people there. And then afterwards, they go to a special room. I've actually been there. It's, it's in the form of a huge tree stump, a, a round table. And they sit there, and they take a pre- preliminary vote. Who is for, who is against? This is before they discuss. This is before they discuss. They do a preliminary. And then they, yeah, and then they start uh, discussing it. And then, you know, sometimes some of the judges might change their opinion, uh, and go over to the one side or the other side. But the constitutional court works like a democracy in the sense that in the end, if you have a majority, your side wins. So you, mm. if you have six of the 11 votes on the constitutional court, your side is the one who will win. If you're in the minority side, uh, one of those judges will then also write an, a dissenting opinion saying, well, we don't agree with the majority. If we were in the majority, we would have ruled differently because of this and this reason. And the argument there is that by writing those judgments, it makes the judges accountable because people like me or any ordinary person can go on the internet, read the judgments and say, oh, okay, I think that that argument is quite a good one or that one is a bad one. So, so ultimately then the beliefs of these judges are going to play a factor at some stage or another during this whole thing. And, and ultimately the, the constitutional court judges beliefs influence what the law says and does not say. Oh yes, it, it does play a role. And you know, especially uh, in a, in a country like say, for example, the United States where the judiciary is far more politicized than here. It plays, it is very clear that it plays a role. They are, they are, they, they have nine judges on the Supreme Court, which is the, like their constitutional court. And everybody knows there are four Republicans, four Democrats, and then there's Justice Kennedy in the middle who is the swing vote. If you want to win your case, you have to convince him. And the many of the people, they actually use buzzwords when they go and argue there just to convince him to go to the right side. So politics, in, with a small p, not party politics, but politics in terms of whether you're a little bit more libertarian or more communal or whatever, those things play a role. In our court, the judges do differ, um, but they are more or less um, in the same ballpark when it comes to their political persuasions and their values. They all, they all embody, they all support diversity, dignity, all these values that are written into the Constitution, and they interpret them more or less the same, um, except uh, when it's really a difficult case, they sometimes disagree with one another. And I don't think uh, that is a bad thing. That means that they really think very carefully about a matter, and they consider it very carefully before they make a decision either way. Mm, so, so Samkele M from WeChat says, it's okay to have individual belief, but individuals need to draw the line of where their rights start and when it infringes on another. So an individual be- believing in Christianity is okay, but what coming out and saying it's not a correct lifestyle is wrong on all levels, especially when you are a public figure. Pia, before we end off, just a... As young people, we have to inherit the society that we that we live in, and and we need to somehow get you know the, the, some of the some of the, the the disagreements we have seem to just be the fact that we we have we are so oppo- we are so 
on on polar opposites in terms of values yeah. and discussions on values. How do we move from where we are now and start to establish a set of values that we can all believe we own and that we 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 all embrace? Um, and how do we how do we move away from value systems that might have been established previously when one religion dominated others and so on? And how do we establish uh, a new set of values that can that can move us forward in the 21st century? Well, you're asking me a very difficult question because it's not so easy to know how to, to actually affect change. I think a starting point is to, for every person in South Africa to become aware that what they believe and what they say and how they act actually has consequences for themselves and for other people. And if you want to other people to respect you, you also have to respect them. And so we have to understand that we're in this thing together and we don't necessarily have to wholesale throw out our traditional values. Um, you know, there's the concept that our constitutional courts sometimes work with Ubuntu, which, which says that we have to remember that we are in this together. We are, we only really become fully human in our relationship to other people. And then the question is, how do we treat other people? How do we behave towards other people? If we start there with that personal connection and think always, would I want another person to treat me in the way that I'm treating him or her or to say the things about me that she, that, that he or she says about me? Then we have a starting point for a discussion. But we live in a democracy, so the discussion is not going to end. We're always going to debate and discuss what the right values are. And we might, you know, I think if, if we are good citizens, we might be prepared to change our mind from time to time um, about what we believe and what we don't believe. Professor Pierre DeForce, um, professor at UCT, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us this morning from your very beautiful uh, view <laughs> all the way there. Uh, we hope you'll enjoy yourself, and uh, we would like to have you back again. There seems to be a lot to unpack here. Okay, thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Thank you, Professor Pierre DeFosse. Well, that was quite a show. Uh, we had Reverend Kenneth Meshwe coming in, and, uh, you know, the key thing there, he said, uh, that Musi Maimani had sold out. Um, he, he had sold out on, on his faith. Um, because he was, he, he seemed to imply that Musi cared more about his wallet than he did about, um, than about what he believed in. Uh, and then we had a caller, Pagama, uh, who came in and she said she agreed. Uh, you know, the, what, what's said in the private domain does not necessarily, uh, affect what, as long as you do not take your beliefs that are in the private domain and bring them into the public domain, then that is a Okay, and then we had Professor Pierre DeForce, who we had a wide-ranging conversation with around just the whole idea of religion and 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 or, or beliefs and the Constitution. Very interesting. Uh, he took us in to the Constitutional Court and the deliberations there, and and what happened. So ultimately, your beliefs do play a role, uh, by the sounds of things. So ultimately, who whoever sits on the bench gets to decide on what's in the Constitution, and what they decide sometimes comes down to what they believe. So.
it is important as we consider these the, the, the nominations of judges and so on to to think about do they do they do they a whole do they embody a set of beliefs that we can be proud of well that's it from me for today uh, we'll be seeing you and 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 uh, speaking to you again next week have yourself a lovely week and go out there and change the world i'm out cliffcentral.com <laughs>